0: This is Rosalie Elliott. Welcome to Woman Unplugged. Hey everyone, welcome to Woman Unplugged. Thank you for tuning in to yet another episode. Today's episode is titled Following Favor and Faith. What does it mean to be a woman? Or let me ask it this way: who do you follow? Whose favor do you long for? And what have you put your faith in? When I think of womanhood and what it means to be a woman, I think these questions go hand in hand. Being a woman is not a feeling or a collection of body parts, it's not a color or an outfit or a shade of nail polish. It's not that pink skirt, heels, and red lipstick. Womanhood is hard to define, hard to explain, and impossible to pin down in mere words or into an image. I'm sure the men among us can agree. (laughs) Our womanhood is shaped by where we come from and where we are going. It is influenced by who we follow and who is following us, the favor we receive and the favor we give, and the object of our faith. What do you put your faith in? Regardless if you have long or short hair, wear jeans or skirts, love classic music or rock. Whether you're a mother or a businesswoman killing it at work or doing both. What impacts your journey and your role as a woman is where you come from, where you are going. What you do with what you've been given and what you believe in. We all believe in something, but the object thereof varies, obviously. Some people believe in a greater being. Others believe in their kids, themselves, or their mama. We all believe in something. But faith goes deeper. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who Who earnestly seek him. Hebrews 11, verse 1 and 7. So, who do you follow? Whose favor do you long for? When I first tried to think of a woman in the Bible who fits today's talk, I thought of Ruth, the Moabite who followed her mother in law into a strange land. And I do still want to do an episode that covers her story eventually. But this time, I want to shed light on another woman of the Bible. Her name is Sarah. The wife of Abraham, who also happened to be his half-sister. I know, super creepy. The Bible is more raw, unplugged and messy than we might realize at times. But we've got to read it in context and understand history. We know of Abraham and how he became the father of nations. We also know that his wife's name was Sarah. It kind of goes together like Beyonce and Jay-Z, Bonnie and Clyde, Abraham and Sarah, you know. But how much of Sarah as an individual do we actually know? As mentioned, she was Abraham's half-sister, his wife, and not only once but twice was she given to another man's household because Abraham told them she was his sister. Not technically lying, since she kind of is. He was afraid that he would be killed once they got to Egypt, so he asked her to lie on his behalf. She was very beautiful, and the pharaoh and later on a king wanted her for himself. The first time, according to Genesis 12, but read and study for yourself. The first time Pharaoh did take her, and it appears that he did sleep with her because verse 19 says the Pharaoh took her to be his wife. And a disease struck his household. Pharaoh gave Sarah back once he realized the disease had happened because he had taken a married woman. Abraham got to leave with Sarah and all of his belongings. In chapter 20, it happened again. King Abimelech took Sarah after Abraham had said she was his sister. God appeared to the king in a dream telling him he was as good as dead because he had taken a married woman. The king hadn't slept with her yet though, so he pleaded with God and made a very valid point that he was innocent and had been lied to by Abraham. The king returned Sarah to Abraham and the king and his household were spared. As I was reading through this, I felt bad for Sarah. Granted, I know that times back then were different and it was common for people to marry within their families. It was normal for women to be given and taken. But as a modern-day woman, I felt disgusted and angry at how she was used and treated. I felt it was cowardly of Abraham to use Sarah to spare his own life. But as I read through, I could see how God vindicated her. Not only by striking Pharaoh and his household with a disease, but also appearing to the king in a dream and warning him not to touch Sarah. In chapter 20, verse 16, the king even addressed Sarah directly and said he was giving Abraham a lot of silver to cover the offense against her before all who are with her, completely vindicating her. That to me is so special. God vindicating Sarah in front of everyone. As we read through these chapters, we can also see that Sarah wasn't always so innocent herself. When told that she would have a child in old age, she laughed. And when they were when they confronted her about it, she denied that she had laughed. Because she couldn't conceive children, she told Abraham to go sleep with her maid Hagar. Once Hagar did conceive a child and started losing respect for Sarah, Sarah got mad and said that God and Abraham had done this to her even though it was initially all her idea. She then mistreated Hagar and sent her away. But God, in His mercy, had other plans for Hagar and her son Ishmael and told her to go back to the household. Even after Sarah had born the promised child Isaac, she had Abraham sent Hagar and her son Ishmael away again. When I look at Sarah, I see a beautiful and strong woman who followed her husband Abraham all over the place. Longing for a child of her own, struggling with the fact that she was barren. Laughing at the idea that she would conceive a child at her old age. A woman who was used and used others too. An imperfect human like the rest of us. So what makes someone worth following? Sarah might have not had a choice. It was normal to follow the man you marry, to bear children and try to continue your lineage. But it wasn't just Sarah who followed Abraham. Abraham followed someone too, namely God. God had told him to pack his belongings, leave his father's household, and go to where God sent him. Abraham listened and followed. We're all following someone. Number one, who do you follow? We follow people on Instagram and Facebook. We subscribe to people on YouTube. We want updates on what they posted last. What makes someone worth following? And apart from social media, who do we follow? What influences us? Who do we look up to and why? The images, videos, billboards, and words all around us influence us more than we realize. Secondly, favor. God blessed Abraham and Sarah and granted them possessions and offspring. Throughout the Bible, we see God having mercy and showing favor. So what does it mean to stand in someone's favor? It's a great feeling when someone you follow, someone you respect and look up to, shows you favor. That moment when the person you admire likes your comment, retweets your post, or even better yet, messages you directly. We all long to be seen and bring value. Whatever our personality types, we want to be important. We love those videos where a famous basketball player takes time to greet or maybe even talk to one of his fans. All the more if that fan is a child or someone with a disability. There's something about being seen and acknowledged. The bigger the difference in status, if you will, the more special and unusual it seems. Someone so famous talking to someone like me. Even though at the end of the day, we're all pretty much the same all going down to the grave. Depending on your personality type, you may look for value and favor in different ways. Using the Enneagram, for example, depending on your Enneagram type, you may look for value as a Type 1 in how good you are and the good that you do. You may follow people and things that feel good, that are balanced and true. As a Type 2, you may look for value in being needed and helping those in need. You might follow people who appear selfless and helpful, or you follow people who need help, and therefore, actually, you end up leading them, making you feel valuable and loved. Type 3s might look for value by being successful and accomplished, excelling at what you do. An Enneagram Type 4 may look for value by being unique, standing out and being special, longing for favor by being different, by being known. A type 5 might look for value by gaining knowledge and understanding. You follow others who are knowledgeable and wise. You feel valuable when those who are experts in their field recognize you and your expertise. Maybe you feel valued as a type 6 by being prepared, having thought things through and planned everything to a T. Maybe you feel valuable as much as you feel safe and guided. You might feel valuable as a type 7 by being free or appearing free, doing the most, experiencing the most, maximizing on all that life has to offer, following those who spur you on in your endeavors. Maybe you feel valuable as an Enneagram type 8 when you can protect and defend, most valued when you're recognized for your strength and your fight for justice and truth. Perhaps you have little respect for those who seem weak to you, and you ally with those who are strong and who challenge the norm. Lastly, as an Enneagram Type 9, you may feel valuable when you can bring peace and balance to others around you, when you feel connected and things around you are calm. You want to be favored by being the peacemaker. We literally have chemicals that make us feel good released into our brains when we're liked, followed, and seen. That's why social media can become so addicting. We want that fix of being favored. What if we could find something, someone even greater to follow? Someone even more special who favors us. So often we look to leaders to give us spiritual food, maybe even feeling resentful or disappointed when we leave church feeling hungry and empty, looking to the worship team or the pastor to give us an experience. While it is our pastor's job to guide his sheep, to represent Christ, to teach and love Christ's bride, which is the church, it is our individual responsibility to seek God on our own too to be hungry for His Word, to follow Jesus ourselves. Many people are spiritually starving because we feed off of the crumbs of another person's table. Get a word from God yourself. Read His Word yourself instead of just looking to other people's experiences with God. It won't sustain you on the long run. That's why you're starving, spiritually hungry. Crumbs off the table of another won't fill you like the steak at your own table. Spend time with Jesus yourself. Don't just live off of the spiritual experiences of other people you look up to. When was the last time you felt seen? Genesis 16 is all about the God who sees you. It gets messy when we don't wait on God. Sarah took matters into her own hands when she told Abraham to try and have a child with her maid. Then she victimized herself, it seems, and wanted Hagar to be sent away. Such a mess. Yet God was faithful to His promises. He was merciful to Sarah and Abraham and to Hagar and Ishmael. He kept His promises to all of them. In chapter 16, verse 7, the Lord asked Hagar when she was at the well, Where have you come from and where are you going? God knows our past, our present and our future. He knows it all. What would you say to the Lord if He asked you, "Where have you come from? Where are you going? Who do you follow? What are you doing with your life? Hagar named her son Ishmael, which means "God hears." And the well that the Lord appeared to her at, she named Beer Roy, which is "well of the living One who sees me." What if there's someone worth following? Someone whose favor you have? Someone who hears and sees you. When was the last time you prayed, truly believing that God hears you? Number three, faith. Everyone believes in something, even if it's themselves or their mom. But what makes something or someone worth believing? Especially in these times where people are bearing false witness left and right, fake news, altered stories, hidden agendas and narratives and people are at each other's throats without knowing all the facts. It's hard to know who you can believe. Sometimes it's really hard to believe in a God you cannot see, a God who cannot be measured with science and logic. He's too big for that. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. Sometimes it takes a leap of faith to believe, to have faith. And the only one truly worth following, the one whose favor matters the most, the only one who will keep his promises, who will vindicate us and be true until the end, is God. Elohim echad. God is one. So ask yourself today, who do I follow? Whose favor do I long for? Who do I put my faith in? I truly hope that at the end of the day the answer to those questions will be I follow God Almighty and His Son Jesus. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus His favor rests on me. I put my faith in God. He is the only one truly worth following whose favor matters the most. He is the God who sees you. Sweet friend, God hears you. Thank you so much for tuning in today, friends. This is Woman Unplugged. Remember to leave a review, share this with your friends. Maybe you know somebody who needs to hear this message today. Remember, you are not alone. You are so loved. Walk as the woman you were called to be.